and welcome to City Break Ideas Episode 9. If you're listening to this the day or two after it's been uploaded, you might be slightly surprised to hear it because last time we met in inverted commas, I said I was taking a break until January the 6th. And sure enough, so I am. That's the date when City Breaks London is going to go live. But in fact, I've managed to acquire a few contributions for a City Break Ideas episode, so I thought, well, no need to wait for that. Let's get on and do that now. So today I'm going to introduce you to three very different travel blocks, and with the owner's kind permission, steal one or two ideas from each of them to put to you as proposals for cities that perhaps you haven't thought about visiting. Quite a varied offering. We're off out to the Middle East, down to the south of Italy, venturing into Eastern Europe, all sorts of goodies coming along in just a few minutes. But before that, I'm quite aware that on the City Break Ideas episodes, we often have some new listeners. Either people who've just come across the title somewhere and think, yep, I'd quite like some City Break Ideas, or people pointed in our direction by the users of the blogs that I'm featuring. So it seems a good idea to just welcome anybody who is new to us and just briefly say what City Breaks is. Because, you know, it's very nice to have your company today. It would be even nicer to have your company on a slightly longer journey. So, I am Marion Jones. I'm a language teacher, really. But I've got the travel bug. I particularly like City Breaks. And I've been podcasting about them for two years now, a little bit longer. And so far we have seven series behind us. So if you're interested in Florence or Munich or Toulouse, or indeed in Paris or Bath or London, those series are all sitting there on the internet and all the usual places where you can find podcasts, just waiting for you to enjoy them. And the seventh one, which I haven't mentioned yet, I thought I might just talk a tiny bit more about today, just by way of example. And that's our St. Petersburg series. As with all the other series, I hope it offers you all the history and culture and background knowledge that you would look up for yourself before a trip to St. Petersburg, if only you had the time. Or perhaps that you'd like to know before deciding whether to go. Or maybe even, reality tells you you're not going anytime soon, but wouldn't it be nice to know a bit more about it? So there are history episodes on some of the great characters, Peter the Great and some of those amazing empresses who built the very fancy palaces. There are episodes on the Soviet era in St. Petersburg, on the ballet, on some of the writers like Dostoevsky, who are very linked with the city. Most of the episodes centre around places that you're probably going to want to visit. And so the aim would be that you learn from them all the stuff that will make your visit more enjoyable and mean that you really do know what you're looking at. Anyway, so much for the background. Let's get on with today's episode. So, three great blogs coming up. And the first one is one of those travel blogs that focuses right down on one city. The one, in this case, being Dubai. It's called colormedubai.com and one of the opening sentences on the homepage reads like this. In 1983, there was only one car in Dubai. Just one. In the span of a few decades, the place that was largely a fishing village and a desert has become a booming, ultra-modern, progressive and prosperous city. It's a website which will certainly help you plan a trip and give you lots of cultural information and a whole array of fantastic photographs so that you can get to know much better this place which in summary has to offer exquisite beaches, desert excursions, theme parks, world-class shopping and, of course, a very rich culture. There are a whole range of posts 
on the website. For example, some background ones dealing with history and culture and tradition, explaining a little bit about Arabic culture, and some of the things it's really good to know in advance of a visit. For example, the fact that during Ramadan, most cafes and restaurants will be closed in daylight hours and no food should be consumed in public places. And yes, that does include shopping malls and beaches. I learned too from somewhere in that section that you can buy gold jewellery and gold bars from vending machines. There are posts on some of the popular attractions in Dubai just to whet your appetite. For example, I learned about the Dubai Frame, two massive towers connected by a wide glass-bottom suspension bridge. So you can walk up and along and down again and get panoramic views of old Dubai, modern Dubai. And a handy tip, best time of day to go, would be at sunset. There's mention of the virtual reality indoor theme park, where you can go on virtual tour bus rides through Paris and London and New York, where you can do some sand dune riding or some skydiving. Lots of info on Dubai's beautiful beaches, telling you which is which and what exactly you can do at each of them. Opening with a rather tantalising reference to exquisite beaches with crystal clear waters. The fact that many of them are quite secluded, full of, quote, peace, tranquility, endless sunshine and kilometres of white sandy beaches. But telling us too that at others you can do all sorts of water-based activities, snorkelling, jet skiing, scuba diving parasailing, even riding a banana boat, whatever that might be. So you've got the list, you've got details on each of them, all the stuff you need to know really to make those things happen when you get there. There's a helpful must-do section where it tells us all about something called the Sunset Dune Dinner Safari, where you can drive off into the desert, accompanied of course by someone who knows where they're going, enjoy the wildlife, learn a little culture, do some camel riding or sandboarding, have a nice dinner, perhaps watch a spot of belly dancing. And then in the must-see section, there's information about the Dubai shopping mall. Absolutely massive, I think more than 1,300 shop owners and restaurants all there. Lots of entertainment too, you can go ice skating or use the indoor ski resort. Visit the Dubai Aquarium and Underwater Zoo. Or something called the Souk Al-Baha, which is a souk-style collection of 100 shops and restaurants all clustered round the Dubai fountain. In itself, something you probably want to look at, because every 20 minutes they have the most amazing show there, all set to music. So, it's a site that absolutely whets your appetite for going, makes it easy for you to think about how to actually do that, particularly if it's a culture or a place that's quite unknown to you. Lots of useful stuff about transport and travel and tickets and all the practical details you need and lots, lots, lots of information about what you might do when you get there, and a whole range of excellent photos. I think that if you knew Dubai already, you'd probably find out stuff you didn't know, but it looked particularly good for anybody who really wouldn't know where to start, what they were getting into, how to set about it. All the information you need really is there. So just to repeat then, it's colormedubai.com. I think they're on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram as well, and YouTube. So if that's interested you at all, it should be very easy to go find. Okay, moving on to our second travel blog of the day. Quite different. It's called postcardstoriesblog.com. Styled really as an online travel blog by somebody who's been to the places they fancied going to, written about them, wants you to know what she got up to when she was there. And along the way, start thinking, 
Which of these places would I like to visit? Actually, she puts it much better herself on the About Me section of the website, so let me read out some of that. Hi, I'm Alma, and I consider myself as a travel blogger. Travelling's my passion. Therefore, I love to document everything in this travel blog. I'm a frequent traveller, and I believe I've seen as much of the world as it's possible to do while working in an eight-to-five job. When I prepare for my next journey, I look for inspiration not in the top ten things to do lists, but in other travel bloggers' work. The perfect inspiration comes from personal experience. Therefore, all travel stories are experienced by me, I visited all the places, and I took all the photos in these posts. It's an extensive website, focuses on all sorts of places, for example the Grand Canyon, Norway, Egypt. But for today's episode, I've picked out two of the posts which are on cities. That, of course, being the focus of city breaks. Okay, so the first one's even seasonal, because Alma's got on her website a description of a New Year's Eve which she spent in Kiev, I think four or five years ago. So she describes the centre of the city with all its Christmas lights shining and the atmosphere she noticed as soon as she got there, enhanced by the smell of ginger cookies and hot wine. She describes going to the main square, the Sophia Square, where the big Christmas tree is, and finding that it was absolutely chock full of people who'd come to enjoy themselves, families, friends, all the generations. Some local singing stars were there singing Ukrainian songs. And you do get the feeling that she was really enjoying the atmosphere until it got to nearly midnight when, actually, what happened then was the president of Ukraine at the time, Petro Poroshenko, appeared on a screen which had been specially set up and started to make a rather long speech. Finally, he did wish everyone a Happy New Year. An orchestra on screen played the Ukrainian anthem and fireworks were set off on the screen. And as Alma says, that did seem a bit weird. It would have been better to see them live, really. But she does describe various other corners of the city that evening, ringing out with champagne bottles being opened and screams of excitement and lots of confetti. A big feature of this website actually is the great range of fantastic photographs. So if you scroll through them, you really do get a sense of what a New Year's Eve in Kiev would have been like. It was a post I really enjoyed reading and made me want to know more about Kiev. So I looked up a few of the places that were I to go, I would certainly want to visit. And it wasn't long till I'd found really quite an impressive list of things like the cathedral, the Mariinsky Palace, the beautiful Italian-style Baroque building, which did remind me a little of some of the palaces I saw in St. Petersburg. There's a golden-domed monastery, St. Michael's. There's a UNESCO World Heritage Site, the Golden Gates, which were originally the entrance to the city, all sorts of museums and galleries. Definitely several days' worth of very interesting things to do. And then, by way of contrast, I had a look round Alma's website for another city that perhaps I haven't featured before, and my attention was taken by a post entitled Falling in Love with Siena in Half a Day. And when I read one of the opening lines, I was hooked. So Alma wrote, I can honestly say the best thing that happened to me in 2020 was discovering Siena, medieval Italy's gem in Tuscany. I'll always have a soft spot for Florence, especially as it was the first City Break series that I did, and so I was very intrigued by the idea of reading a post on one of Tuscany's other medieval gems. It's not possible, writes Elmer, to explain in words the beauty of the city, 
just take a look at the pictures. And yes, this is another website where the photography is fantastic. Lots and lots of gorgeous pictures, which really give you the flavour of the city. So the post has also got some history, telling, for example, the story of Santa Catarina of Siena, explaining that Catherine was born in Siena during the time of the Black Death, so I'm guessing 14th century, and that she spent her life caring for the poor and the sick. She was known at the time as a doctor of the church, and just to give you a flavour of what she was like, here's a quote from one of her letters. Respond to the Holy Spirit who is calling you. I tell you, come, 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 don't wait for the time, because time isn't waiting for you. And, as Alma says, you'll see mention of St Catherine, or Santa Catarina, all over the city, so it's good to know a little bit about her, before you visit. And here we learn that Catherine was canonised in the 15th century, and that in 1999 she was declared as the patron saint of Europe. But it's by no means only in inverted commas history, there's lots on what to see as well. Some writing, for example, about the Piazza del Campo, the main square, and the Duomo di Siena, so the cathedral, and some practical tips about how you can buy one ticket for eight euros, which includes visits to half a dozen of the places you're probably going to want to see, and then a walk through some of those places with some descriptions. The cathedral, for example, described as being the prettiest cathedral exterior I have ever seen, even prettier than Florence Cathedral. The white and dark green striped facade is fully Gothic, full of mosaics, and statues. Lovely descriptions too of inside the cathedral, where even, says Alma, the floor is simply a piece of art, and where there are sculptures and artworks by such wondrous artists as Donatello, Michelangelo and Benini. There's lots of detail too about other bits and pieces connected to the cathedral. The Piccolomini Library, for example, which seems to be attached to the cathedral in a similar way to the San Lorenzo Library and San Lorenzo Church in Florence. And by the sound of it, it's not just, in inverted commas, a library. That too is a work of art, painted, says Alma, from top to bottom by Pintoriccio. There's something called the panorama. Presumably you climb up to get panoramic views of the city. And, again reminiscent of Florence, just next door, the baptistry of San Giovanni. So plenty there for you, if it's the art and the culture and the places to visit that interest you. But there is more too. So for example, there's an intriguing heading, The Paradise of Truffles. And Alma writes, yes, truffles grow in Tuscany. And we visited La Bottega de Tartufo, which was just around the corner from Il Campo. Amazing tastes and amazing gifts for the home. And actually then she takes the opportunity to mention that there's a different post entitled The Journey of Tastes Through Italy. It is a very varied website. The two main sections are entitled Photo Diaries and Travel Stories. Under Photo Diaries, there is, for example, a set of 30 photos which will make you want to visit the Lofotian Islands, I hope I'm saying that correctly, just off Norway. Then there's the Journey of Taste Through Italy one that I just mentioned, and all sorts of others. Under Travel Stories, you can go on Expedition Green, which was all about the Azores. And on another post, you can follow Alma's experiences of snorkelling in the Red Sea. So lots and lots for anyone who's a traveller, or a would-be traveller, or I can't travel right now, but I can do it vicariously through someone else's really excellent website. Do have a look. So just to repeat the name of the website, postcardstoriesblog.com.
I'll put the links to all three websites onto the notes that come at the end of the episode. So then, after Kiev and Siena and Dubai, where next? Well, we're off to two cities that I didn't know at all. In fact, one of them I'd never actually heard of. In fact, I had to contact the people who run the website and ask how to pronounce it. And that's two cities right in the very south of Italy, in the Puglia region, which I learnt about from a blog called gaypugliapodcast.com. And here's a description of the website which they sent me. We podcast and blog about Puglia as a holiday destination. We have two cities that are perfect for city breaks, Bari and Lecce. And despite our name, our podcast and online guide to Puglia are totally inclusive, written for all visitors. And yes, when I checked out the website, that's exactly what I found. There's all sorts of information on where you should base yourself in Puglia, dependent obviously on what you're hoping to do and see when you get there, ideas about where you could stay, lots and lots of posts on, for example, 10 must-visit destinations or recipes from Puglia, stuff about transport and advice on driving there. It really is a one-stop shop for anybody heading that far south in Italy. What I found most useful for my purposes was the heading at the top, Big Guides to. I looked on there to find that there were in fact 11 Big Guides to... including the Big Guide to Bali and the Big Guide to Lecce. So, handily placed for information on the two cities which had been recommended. So I had a good look at both of those. The Big Guide to Bari tells us that Old Bari, or Bari Vecchia, as it would be called in Italian, is a vibrant hub with cafes and restaurants and bars, but somewhere too where you can really get a sense of everyday life, which is lived and has been lived for centuries by the residents. Quote, Front doors open into the cool shadow of the narrow alleyways. The sound of food being prepared and of families dining together can be heard in the background while laundry hangs from balconies to dry in the lazy afternoon heat. I think if you've been anywhere in southern Italy, you will recognise that description. And if you haven't been, that is a really good insight into what you might find if you're just wondering about the lesser touristy bits. The big guy does list lots of ideas about what to see in Bari. For example, the Basilica San Nicola, which houses the relics of the city's patron saint, St Nicholas, and explains what an important church this is in what you might call ecclesiastical history. Because in the 11th century, Peter the Hermit came to this very church to preach the First Crusade. And that's made the church a place of pilgrimage somewhere which attracts Catholics and Orthodox Christians alike. Another site you probably want to see is the Castello Svevo, which stands on the edge of the old town near the port, a massive 13th century walled fortress, now also a museum. Lots of details about various art galleries, how you can take an exceptionally long seafront walk, or go on a walking street food tour, or visit the studenty pit, the Madonella Quarter. There's a nice description of that and a recommendation about a particular bar come bookshop with live music and readings. So really, insider knowledge on exactly what you should be taking in on your visit to Bali. There are plenty of restaurant recommendations, lots and lots of great photos, all enticing, useful stuff. And equally useful is the Big Guide to Lecce, so one of the other drop-down big guides. And I enjoyed the introductory sentences to that, Baroque and roll. Like most of Puglia, 
Lecce was conquered and reconquered before its final invasion in the 17th century, the invasion of the Baroque. The creamy white of the limestone buildings that dazzle when the sun shines and the azzurro of the Salento sky that frame them will take your breath away. More history, more fab photos, more recommendations for what to do there, take in the Piazza del Duomo, of course, and the Cattedrale, and the Roman remains, a Roman column topped with a bronze statue of the city saint, known as the Santoronzo column, a sunken Roman amphitheatre, all sorts of things. Here, for example, is what they have to write about the facade of the Basilica of Santa Croce. Quote, the detail, made possible by the soft lecce limestone, is astonishing. Flowers, fruits, cherubs, mythical figures, animals and sculpted figures almost seem to form an external altar. So yes, definitely want to see that, and I like their idea of ambling through the narrow streets of the old town, one of those little mazes of medieval alleys and little piazzas where you can just wander about and do some what they call joyful exploring. And here's a sentence that really made me want to get straight down there. Quote, Whether you take an afternoon with time for an aperitivo and dinner or spread over a leisurely couple of days, be sure to stop off for a pasticciotto, a lemon custard pastry and a caffè leccese, which is a shot of espresso served over ice with almond syrup misleadingly described as milk. I could just imagine myself wandering that little maze, stopping here and there for a photograph or a shot of espresso, trying out my extremely limited Italian. And again, on the guide to Lecce, there are lots of restaurant ideas. There are ideas for other places to visit if you base yourself in Lecce, road trips you could take along the spectacular coastline, for example. Really, all the details you would need to organise your holiday remotely and also everything you need to dream about how lovely it'll be when you get there. There's sections on Puglia more generally as well, including what you might call a very colourful description, focusing as it does on actually the colours which for them represent Puglia. The tricolor, as they put it, of green, white and red. So the green is the olive groves, stretching as far as the eye can see. The white is the limestone, which you can see in the dry stone walls surrounding the olive groves and in the ancient stone buildings and the dramatic coastal cliffs. And the red would be the ferrous red of the soil. So that's the Italian flag right there, but in fact the fourth colour is blue. Seen, for example, as they put it in, quote, The azure sea bleeds seamlessly into deep blue skies. Welcome to Puglia, our home. And that's a good place to end because what you do really get from this website is the feeling that people who love that area, know it really well, live there, want to welcome you there too and tell you all about it and make it easy for you to organise your trip. OK, so three excellent blogs, all bringing something different, all adding to the idea of City Break ideas, but also all more than that too. I recommend a look at any or all of them. And they give an idea, don't they, of the wide variety of travel blogs there is out there. For those of us who like to see more places than we can ever visit, really, and get ideas for planning our next trips. And this is a good moment for me to ask if you can recommend any travel blogs, whether one you write yourself or one that you just enjoy using. Because if you can, I would like to get in touch with the people in charge of it and ask them whether they too would like to contribute something to a future City Break Ideas episode. Or, of course, also welcome 
It's just ideas for cities to visit. If you've been somewhere that you really enjoyed, then you can drop us a line or two to explain where that is and what was so great about it, then I'd like to mention that too on a future episode. There are three different ways to get in touch. You can go onto our website and leave a message on the blog, www.citybreakspodcast.co.uk or you can email us, citybreaks at citybreakspodcast.co.uk or you can find us on Twitter, at citybreakscast. I'm hoping for some really interesting new ideas that I can use for the next couple of City Break Ideas episodes. However, we are now going to go quiet over Christmas and the New Year, and we are definitely returning in January, on Wednesday, January the 6th, in fact, with the very first episode of our brand new series, City Breaks London. Covering, I hope, all the places you might want to visit in London on a short or even a longer City Break, giving you lots of the history and culture and stories behind all the places and generally just enjoying the lovely city of London, which so often comes top, or very nearly top, in polls when people are asked which city they'd most like to visit for a city break. So, all of that to look forward to. Meanwhile, I'm just going to sign off. Regular listeners will know I usually try and do that in a language appropriate to the episode I've just been doing. This time, what could be more appropriate than wishing you a happy Christmas, if indeed you are listening to this before Christmas, in the various languages of the series that City Breaks has done so far. So we've been to France twice, as you may know, to Toulouse and then to Paris, so Joyeux Noël. We went to Germany, to Munich, so that would be Frohe Weihnachten. We visited Spain, City Breaks Seville, so Feliz Navidad. Then our most recent series was on the lovely city of Bath in the UK, so Happy Christmas from there. The one I'm less sure about, I had to look this up and write it down phonetically, from St. Petersburg in Russian. I believe the Russian for Happy Christmas is something like Shastlivogo Rozdestva. And finally then, of course, there was City Breaks Florence from Italy, and we've been to Italy again in this episode, to Siena, to Bari and to Lecce. So, Happy Christmas from Italy. Buon Natale. Thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you in January and for the moment, from City Breaks, goodbye.